I'd like to thank my husband for that beautiful medley of hymns, and you ought to be thanking me that I'm not going to sing. Okay? We're a real team. He sings, and I don't. I'm glad to be here today. Um, I did spend 15 years in Christian education. My last three were being a principal before I um, retired at a very young age from that and went to Norland Alliance Church. And I think the sole reason I got out of being principal was I just couldn't stand Principal Prindle. I just couldn't stand the title. I thought, i got to get out of this. Principal Prindle. Now they call me Shelly again, so I like that. I am so glad to be here with you guys this morning to share this message called The Suffering of Death. It is a very sobering message, but at the same time, the most exciting message in the entire universe. Because it is a miracle that God Almighty, who is transcendent, altogether holy, and altogether perfect, God who has never sinned, it is a miracle that he would dive into the stuff of death. Amen? Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. That means that the only people should have, that should have to suffer in the throes of death are those of us who are sinners who are selfish and rebellion, in rebellion against God. But the fact that God Almighty would get involved with the stuff of death is the greatest message of good news that we could ever hear. That He would not abandon us to the grave. Amen? And so this is the message of good news. It's the greatest message of love in the entire universe. But make no mistake about it. Even though it's the greatest message of love, we must, Respond to it, or we will be lost without the hope that Jesus brings. Because God is a righteous God, and He is going to make things right. Now, to help you understand the simplicity and the beauty of God's suffering in death, I want to use an example from my childhood. When I was little, I used to love tropical fish. Anybody else used to like tropical fish? Now, I tried to like them again when I got older. When I finally went to part-time work at Norman Lines Church, I tried my hand at, a, at an aquarium one last time. Didn't do so well. Fish started dying of various diseases. They started eating each other's fins off. A few of them died. And one, in the middle of winter, one day I said to my husband, I can't stand the smell of those dying fish anymore. You've got to do something with them. He said, should I flush them down the toilet? I said, no, go take the aquarium and throw it out in the snowbank. I froze the fish to death. Okay, I used to like tropical fish. But back when I was young and I liked them, one time, I think it was in middle school, my parents blessed me with a birthday present of a tropical fish tank full of colorful sword tails. Now, I loved sword tails because they were colorful, but also because they bear their young lives. And I just thought it was the coolest thing for me to watch baby fish come out of another fish and then I get to raise them and take care of them, you know. Now, the only problem is not only do sword tails bear their young lives, they eat their young lives, which is also kind of exciting, all right. So no sooner do the babies come out of mummy sword tail than all the adult fish in the tank go after them for lunch and they're trying to eat them. This was very stressful to my type A personality. Now, my mother, who to this day is still a, cr a clean freak, I knew there was no way that she was going to deal in those baby fish if they needed her. It was going to be all on me. 
Because if I didn't clean that tank enough, it was going to get algae ridden. And my mom was not going near it. Now, the thing was, when the babies would come, you had to be real careful to separate the baby fish from the adult fish in the same water, in the same tank, in a separate safety zone net. So, if I had a pregnant fish in the tank, I knew that I had to run off the school bus, get into my living room, get to that fish tank, and save those babies myself. So one day, I had pregnant fish, ran into the house. Here is what I did not do to try to save the baby fish. I did not cup my hands around my mouth and scream as loud as I could into the aquarium, Run behind the castle! Daddy's coming to eat you! Because fish can't hear. I also did not take a big fluorescent poster board and write words in a poster and stick it up in front of the tank that said, Babies, go behind the rocks! Mommy's hungry! Because fish can't read. The only way that I could save those baby fish was for me to roll up my sleeve. And no matter how long it had been since I cleaned the tank, I had to stick my own arm down into the stinky, slimy, algae-ridden, fish excrement-filled water, stick my own hand down in with a little net, and pull the babies to the safety zone with my own arm. And I want to tell you something this afternoon. That is exactly what God Almighty has done for us. Amen? We are like the fish stuck in that tank. We are in this universe and God made this universe out of absolutely nothing. He looked down at the universe that He had made and He looked down at us foolish as we were, rebelled against the only right working plan that there is, the plan of God. And when we had rebelled against Him in our sinfulness, He looked down at the world and He said, what a mess, what a stinky mess that has become. And He looked down and He saw how bad sin had made things. How people were killing one another. How people were jealous and envious of one another. How people would abuse each other. He looked down and He saw all the genetic diseases that had been set into motion because of sin. All of the pain and misery. How some people have enough and some people are starving. And He looked down at all the wars and all the human suffering and misery because of our own sinfulness. And He knew this one thing. They can't save themselves. It's as if we can't hear and we can't see just like the little fish. We sometimes foolishly think that we can, but we need God's own arm to save us. You see, there is no way for a human being to save themselves. We are helpless. Sometimes we get to thinking, well, if I'm good enough, if I do enough good things in my life, if I go to church often enough, if I give enough in the offering, if I have an upstanding American family, then I'll be okay. No, we won't. There is no one righteous. No, not one. We are all sinners. There's nothing that we could do. There's nothing that we could hear. God can't scream into the universe and say, do this, 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 and this, and you'll be okay. Just like I couldn't scream into the tank. Following Jesus. Being saved by Jesus is not a religion. It is a relationship. 
When God looked down at that universe and saw that we were helpless, here's what He did. He rolled up His own sleeve. He said, I will put on skin and bones and I will go down to where they are. Amen. I just taught a bunch of toddlers the other day and I made them all stand up and I said, here's the first thing I want you to know about God's love. I made them stand up and I said, now I want you all to reach down. I said, God's love reaches down. He reaches down to where we are. He rolled up His own sleeve. Jesus Christ is God with skin and bones. And God said, I will go down with my own hand into that nasty, messy universe that they have made and I will be a part of it. And I will suffer through what they suffer through. So Jesus came to this earth and He knew what it was like to fall down as a toddler and to scrape His knee. Jesus grew up and He knew what it was like to be rejected by people. To get up early in the morning and to not want to get going and do the things that He would have to do. Jesus knew what it was like to face a future that that was going to be very, very difficult. He knew what it was like to have His heart broken. Amen? He came to be a part of what we have to go through. But not just as Hebrews, Hebrews tells us clearly, He came to be the great high priest He has been tempted and tried in every way just as we are, and yet He is without sin. He came not only to know what it is that we go through, but watch this, to suffer the greatest thing that we will ever have to endure because of our sinfulness. Physical and spiritual death. The wages of sin is ultimately death. If you think it's bad living in this world now with sin, you do not want to see what the consequences are if you never deal with it. Because the ultimate payment is death. Jesus not only came to know what it was like to live on this earth, He came to suffer the deepest and darkest thing that we would ever have to go through because of our sin, and that is death. And He died on that cross. Amen? And went to that place to free us from fear of death. I don't care if you are a Christian or an atheist or a New Ager. There's not a person on the face of the earth who deep down in their heart doesn't have a fear, a wonderment about what will happen when my heart stops beating. And the Bible says clearly in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15, Since the children, that's you and me, are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same thing. Amen? He took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen? I don't look forward to the process of dying, but I can stand before you and tell you wholeheartedly, I am not afraid of death. Because Jesus died in my place. Amen? He destroyed the power of death. And He he not only destroyed death, He destroyed Him who deals and dabbles in the realm of death, and that is the devil. You see, the devil is not God's opposite. We get these pictures sometimes on television and cartoons of an angel on one side and a devil on the other. Look, the devil is not God's equal opposite. The devil is only a created being. 
He's a fallen angel. God is in full control. The Bible says that for now the Lord has allowed the devil to be the prince of the power of the air for a time. But when the time comes, God is going to take him down completely. When Jesus died on the cross, it was D-Day. When Jesus died on the cross, He stormed the beaches of Normandy, as it were. Only the beaches were the beaches of sin and death. When He died on that cross, Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed the dark powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Amen? When He died, He destroyed the devil's work. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. And when we give in to sinfulness and we are away from God, we are involved in the stuff of darkness and the devil. But we can be delivered through Jesus Christ. D-Day has already taken place and if you choose to believe in it, Victory Day is coming. Only it's not just Victory in Europe Day. Amen? The victory has been secured. There's a victory in the universe day just around the corner because God Almighty, without sin in His perfection, suffered death on our behalf. He who should not have to suffer and should not have to die, died so that we don't have to. Now I want to make a statement here that is maybe the most important thing that I'll say this morning in this church. And I want to make sure before God that everybody understands it. God is just. And He will not leave sin unpunished. He will punish the sins of murder and rape and gossip and unkindness and lies. He will punish every sin. There's not a sin that will not be dealt with. And I want to tell you something. If that weren't true of my God, I wouldn't even want to serve Him. I praise God that He is righteous and that He knows this world is a mess and He wants to make a world that's right. But in order to do that, sin must be punished. Every sin. Every sin that Shelley Prindle has ever committed in word, thought, and deed, every sin that I do commit or ever will commit is punished. All sin of every human being will rush to one of two places. Now listen to this. All sin will be dealt with in one of two places. Now 2,000 years ago, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ died. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on my behalf. So 2,000 years ago, my Jesus dies on the cross and He literally became the sin offering for Shelley Brindle. And I have chosen to believe on Him. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is more than just mental assent. You see what I'm saying? I place my hope on Him. I look back at the cross 2,000 years ago and I realize that when Jesus died on that cross, when He died, He cried out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? And the answer that would ring back in the heart of God was, so that nobody in this room would have to be forsaken. Amen? 
He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in those moments, He literally became our sin offering. And the Father and He had broken fellowship. Now, when you commit a sin, if you're a Christian in this room and you commit a sin against God, how guilty and how convicted do you feel? Oh, the weight of sin is so heavy, isn't it? Can you imagine bearing the sins of the entire world? That's what he did. That's why it hurt. It wasn't so much the physical death. Many people have been crucified before. Yes, he endured the physical pain, but the thing nobody has ever endured before is becoming a sin offering for the world and experiencing the separation from God and the guilt and the misery that pain brings. My Jesus did that for me. So 2,000 years ago, all of Shelley Prindle's sins are on the cross when Jesus died. Now, if a person chooses not to believe that, there's one other option. John 3.36 says this, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God for my sin went on Jesus. But if I don't believe in Him, the wrath of God will abide on me. To have the wrath of God on your head while His grace is still here with us is one thing. But when Jesus Christ returns and demands the final judgment for all sin, believe me, you don't want His wrath upon your own head. If we don't put our sin on Jesus, who is God and who is infinitely big, only God who is infinite and holy could absorb all the sins of the world in one moment. If I as a finite being would try to carry my sins and pay for them myself, guess how long it would take? Forever. And I would never be done paying for it. So I can put my sin on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago or I can carry the wrath of God on my own head but I will have to do so forever and ever and ever separated from God. Shelley Prindle makes no apologies for hell. Hell is a real doctrine of the Bible. And as a Christian, there is a very valid reason for it and it is our hope. How many of you in this room want to go to heaven? Anybody want to go to hell? Okay? Listen, why does everybody want to go to heaven? Because we know that it is an altogether righteous and good place. We know that this world is not. And it's not because God's final judgment has not come. But the Bible promises in 2 Peter chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, the Bible promises that Jesus is coming back a second time. Jesus Himself in the book of Matthew 24 said, look, the, the flood in Noah's day was an actual historical event and one time God sent judgment and destroyed the world by water and gave them a new start, but Noah's heart was still wicked and sin is still a problem. Amen? But Jesus said in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Only watch this. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, when He comes a second time, it won't be by water. It's going to be by fire. 
Jesus is coming back to remake this world by fire and that is our hope. It says we look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Amen? Because as somebody takes gold and puts it through the fire to purge it of its impurities and make it totally right, my Jesus is taking the entire heavens and the earth, putting them through the fire to purge them and make them perfectly right. We are going to a home of righteousness. I can only have heaven if God judges sin and separates all of those who choose the way of sin from those who choose Jesus Christ. Amen? It is a fact of justice. It is logical. It is not irrational. Hell is real because heaven is real. And because God will judge sin. And I want to say one more thing. The new heavens and the new earth, You see, we've given our kids this false vision that when you're in heaven, you float on a cloud and you play a harp. And I've actually known teenagers who really said to me, Mrs. Prindle, I don't even know if I want to go there. Sounds kind of boring. That's not what heaven is like. If God made this world so rich and so wonderful, the first world, the way it was supposed to be, can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? It's not a different earth. It's this earth remade. It's this universe made right and the new Jerusalem coming down in front of heaven as a bride dressed for her, just for her groom. This is going to be this world restored and remade. And these bodies that get old and age because of sin, all that's going to go out the wayside and we will be able to run and jump and laugh and play. And relationships will never be broken. Amen? There'll never be a fight. There'll never be a jealousy. There'll never be a separation. There'll never be a divorce. My broken body, which has suffered with diabetes for 30 years, this old pancreas is going to be remade. Amen? We won't suffer with illness. We won't suffer with broken relationships. We won't suffer with natural disasters. We will run on real ground in real grass and do the real stuff of life. Why? Because Jesus suffered death. 2,000 years ago to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver those who through fear of life, of, through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He is here to set you free. And all it takes is honest belief, not just mental assent, but falling down and believing for real that Jesus crashed into this universe, messy as it is, and dove into the worst thing that we could ever face for our sin, which is death. So that we don't have to face physical, we have to face physical death, but it's not the end for us. Amen? There is no spiritual death for us. We just close our eyes to one world and wake up to the next. I can't wait for that day. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. doesn't matter if you've already died, if your loved one is already dead and their body is in the ground decaying. Those molecules are coming out one day, baby. 
The same God who made you out of dust will restore the dust of your body and it will rise to new life and perfection. Amen? And those of us who may be alive when He returns, we are going to, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, suffered death on our behalf. Will you trust in that or will you carry the wrath upon your own head? Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Father, I praise you for this wonderful time together of singing and of being reminded of who you are. God, I thank you for the straightforward simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I praise you that the message of the suffering of your death, though it is so sobering, is our hope. I pray for every soul in this room right now doesn't matter what churches we're from. God's word is clear. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Lord, I pray for every person in here that we would truly and really come to terms with you if we haven't already and place all of our trust, all of our hope, and all of our belief in the fact that you loved us enough, sinless though you were, to crash into a messy universe and to suffer the greatest thing that we could ever have to face, death, so that we might rise to new life. We praise you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen.